Hello, everyone. This is Adam Meister, the Bitcoin Meister, the Disrupt Meister. Welcome to This Week in Bitcoin. Today is July the 19th, 2019. Strong hand. Compete. Don't complain. Be a unique beast. Value your wealth in Bitcoin. Having hype. One Bitcoin equals one Bitcoin. Bitcoin is the next Bitcoin. Personal responsibility is a new counterculture. All right. I just said a lot of my darn sayings because I am really pumped because finally, finally, we've got this show where I've got a guest in Brazil, where I've got a guest in the Philippines, and we've heard so much about this. Now, of course, we have a guest in South Africa also, and we've had many guests from South Africa, including Abe, who is back again. But I'm always excited about South Africa, too. But this is going to be a really unique one. Luis Buenavilla, you are from the Philippines. And, of course, we've got Fernando Ulrich from Brazil Follow them all. They're linked to below their Twitter accounts, their businesses, et cetera, et cetera. It's linked to below. Pound that like button. We're going to start off with Abe because Abe's got to get out of here pretty soon. Um, what the big news in uh, the whole entire space this week was it was the Facebook hearings, the Libra hearings, and we've been hearing a lot about it. And I'm sure a lot of people are tired of hearing it. But what we've been hearing is a, uh, an American perspective on this, okay? And the overall Facebook gimmick. Uh, is supposedly it's going to deal with the whole world and they've had little cool little pictures, advertising photos of uh, developing countries. Abraham Cambridge, what yeah. is the take in South Africa or your your take on this from a developing uh, world perspective on, on Libra? Well, when I first got into Bitcoin around 2014, I read a book called The Future of Money. And one of the main points it made was that cryptocurrency Bitcoin basically enables anybody, even the unbanked, uh, to use money and send payments between people, even if there's, no, if, if there's no bank account or even have ID. And then, lo and behold, um, Libra is promising to be the saviour for the developing world by allowing people to at last use electronic money and allow people to make payments. But, I mean, for a start, most people in Africa will already use mobile money. They use text message, text message-based money to send payments between each other, so it's nothing new. And secondly, Bitcoin already exists. So they're using this, this story that they are the savior of the world by bringing uh, utility to people that have been able to use digital money before. And that's, their, that's their, their pitch. But can you imagine any worse company to, to, to be the company which, uh, which authorizes what you can spend your money on? I mean, I mean, other than Facebook, Facebook is probably the worst company I can imagine that do that. I mean, right now, we're trying to run some ads. I mean, everyone should by now hopefully know what Sun Exchange does. People can buy a solar panel for our platform and we pay out on Bitcoin once a month. So you're basically making money from solar powering projects in emerging markets. And so we're putting put an advert on, on Facebook. Every single country in Facebook has different regulations about what you're even allowed to say. So if we mention the word climate change on Facebook, apparently that's a political issue in Canada, in the United States, a political issue. So it's against community guidelines to even mention climate change in an advert. Like, I'm, I'm parking for one minute, that climate change is a scientific fact and not anything to do with political persuasion. But Facebook could basically choose what we can even say in adverts. So can you imagine a world where Facebook get to decide what you can spend your money on 
and what products can be sold. I mean, what a nightmarish scenario that is. Well, I can imagine that world and people are going to, it's remember it is opt-in. People are yeah. going to, it's, it's their choice. Um, do, you, do you see a lot of people in South Africa willing to opt in? How big is Facebook there right now? Well, everyone uses Facebook, don't they? I mean, I, I just wish to, why can't someone please come up with a decentralized Facebook? Surely of all the, all the ICOs that have been taking place in the last two years, someone has come up with a better Facebook that's decentralized where there's no owner and the community verifies posts and merit, merit stories on truth. Maybe there's a better system. But basically, in South Africa, most people use Bitcoin. Bitcoin is the one. You know, so that Libra may come out, and it's a stable coin. Yes, it's stable. But if you're starting to use a stable coin, you'll just see Bitcoin price keep going up and up and up, and everyone will just go into Bitcoin. So it basically adds validity to cryptocurrency in general, and it'll just bring new users in, and everyone will just switch over to Bitcoin. All right. So do you, do you think it can be successful in South Africa, that people will use it? Despite, I mean, there's already mobile money. There's already Bitcoin. Yeah, yeah people will use it. No doubt people will use it, of course. But it, but, but the point is that it, Libra just highlights the strength of Bitcoin because when Libra was announced, the next thing they knew, they were subpoenaed and had to shut down all development of the thing. They can't do that to Bitcoin because no one owns it. It's decentralized. It's an ownerless thing. They can't shut it down. So it's like the whole point of Bitcoin is immediately proven in that one simple act that as soon as Libra is announced, they have to stop developing the whole platform. So it just kind of proves why Bitcoin is good, let alone the value of it. All right, let's get let's get Fernando's take. Finally, the Brazilian guest is here that I've been looking forward to so much. What? First of all, does everybody use uh, Facebook in in Brazil? Is it is it big down there? Oh yeah, the the platform here is huge. I, I think uh, Brazil's uh, usage of Facebook is perhaps amongst the top five in the world, if not more. So it's it's huge the platform here. It's, everyone uses it for sure. All right. So what is what is your take on this from the Brazilian perspective? Are is this a a gift to the de to, to developing world, or is this just uh, for, for, Facebook wants to be the biggest bank on the planet and they know how to market themselves and make it uh, a feel good story? <laughs> yeah, I mean there there are huge challenges. I mean the, the ones that they were they were just brought up. I think they are very valid. And right now, being, being uh, uh, in a, a cryptocurrency exchange, I face these challenges every single day. We cannot run ads on anything that says cryptocurrencies. You have to try to circumvent the rules, the community guidelines. And if this is applied to payments, it's going to be a nightmare. But there's one, there's in one regard, this, I see Libra, even more of a challenge to our central bank here, to our Brazilian currency, more than the, right now than the payment side, because we know that the Brazilian real is not a strong currency. It is a, a, an emergent currency, perhaps better than the South African uh, rand, but it, it's not a strong currency. So in all, all of these countries where the sovereign currency is not a strong currency, it is a, a higher depreciating currency, I see Libra as a direct competitor to the local currency. And in this regard, I think this, the, these governments are going to be even more furious than we see the, the senators now in the U.S. It's going to be very interesting to see how this develops. Mm. That's an interesting point, because when, when Trump made his tweet around Libra, 
he was like, I don't like Bitcoin. It's too volatile to be even a threat. But Libra, we've got a problem with. You know, they, they see Libra as a, as a stable coin, as an alternative to the dollar, and they're, they're not having that. But they've seen that Bitcoin is too volatile to be a threat. And, and that's that's my question for uh, Fernando. Do you think since uh, the Brazilian government probably will be very unhappy to have this competitor uh, come to their market, that they might just be happy with Bitcoin or just ignore Bit? Because it seemed like uh, part of the, the whole the hearings in the United States that some of the senators and congressmen were cool with Bitcoin and they just they were fixated on this. So this could yeah. this be a distraction that could help Bitcoin in Brazil. That, that's how I see it. And right now, the, the size of the Bitcoin market and in terms of adoption of trading volume, it's not a threat uh, on, from their perspective. So they can safely ignore it for now. But Libra, when they see Libra and Facebook's huge uh, population, 2.5 billion, they think in terms of massive and rapid adoption. That's why they think it's an immediate threat. In terms of Bitcoin, perhaps not. Perhaps they, will, they, they can see how this will play out. They, they don't think it's a threat, but perhaps it will even die out in their, that's their, their opinion, the way they see it. But when they look at Libra, they, they think it's going to spread like wildfire. So when I, when I see my government here, so the Brazilian government, I cannot see they allowing it and embracing it with open arms. Our current financial system is already very regulated, very controlled, monitor every single transaction. Our internal revenue service, the Receita Federal, our tax collector, it's amongst the, the best in the world. And they want to monitor everything. But when they see this Libra thing, maybe challenging the demand for the local currency and even perhaps challenging the inflation targeting monetary policy. I mean, this is it's on a whole other level. And and this is why I like Libra, because it's going to challenge these governments. I, I, yeah, for sure. For <laughs> yeah. Sure. All right. So. Now we've got finally a guest from the Philippines, Luis Buenaventura, is in the house, a dude I have hung out with uh, in San Francisco and in Canada. Welcome to the show, Luis. Um, first question is, first question is, what currency would you rather hold, the uh, South African rand or the uh, Brazilian, uh, what's the, what's the, in, in, in the real, the real, because I, I actually, I, I think one is better than the other one, but I, I, I which one do you think, do you have an opinion on that, uh, Luis? So, I mean, I, my opinion mostly is that um, almost any of them would probably be better than the Philippine peso in terms of <laughs> performance overall. Um, and, and, and you know what, guys, like I, I generally agree with everything that you've, you've said so far about Libra, but I'm going to argue the other side of it just so I can kind of like highlight some of the things that I think Facebook Libra is going to be generally better at. And um, so I think that for very, very weak currencies like the Philippine peso. So, you know, to give you very specific numbers on this. So I'm, I'm 38 years old. The years that I, that I was born. The Philippine peso was seven is to one U.S. dollar, right? So seven is to one. Um, as of this morning, it is 51 is to one, right? So over the course of my lifetime, the Philippine peso has lost about 80% of its buying power against the U.S. dollar. And that doesn't even kind of account for the fact that the U.S. dollar itself is kind of losing its, its value overall, right? So in other words, it's, it's just like a, it's this catastrophic um, kind of uh, downfall, uh, except it's in slow motion. Um, so 
the things that I like about Facebook Libra, uh, oh, so maybe one more thing just for context. Um, the average Filipino citizen cannot just buy other currencies. They can't just like exit their local currency without giving, you know, kind of some good reasons for it. Um, they're making an investment in another country. They're going to immigrate to another country. They have to kind of prove um, to the banks or to the regulators why they are buying U.S. dollars or euros or, or whatever else, right? So it's not easy for us to exit into um, other currencies that may be more stable. So in the case of Facebook Libra, and this is very theoretical, right? Because it's not in production yet. We don't really know exactly how the regulator is going to react to it. The way that I look at Libra is it might be a consumer-grade exit um, out of our currency into something that is provably more stable and granted, it's still fiat. It's still a basket of, of fiat currencies. So, you know, like, obviously, you know, it's still, I, I believe, I guess the other people on this call probably believe that a decentralized solution is probably better in the long term. But, like, for, for the, I just looked this number up, there's uh, 67 million Filipinos on Facebook. There's only 68 million Filipinos on the Internet. So that means that like there's this one lonely million people who are for some reason haven't created Facebook accounts yet. Anyway, um, um, it's a so Facebook Libra is potentially a um, kind of a consumer grade um, kind of training wheels version of cryptocurrency that will kind of get these people onto just the idea of digital money, right? And then once their money is in some form of kind of a, like a digital wallet or whatever it is, um, maybe they'll be a little bit more open to the idea of something like Bitcoin. Um, I, I spent a lot of time kind of, you know, like just educating normal folks about this stuff. Um, and, you know, kind of the biggest problems for them is that, you know, it's the, the same cognitive overload that we experienced when we were starting out. like. The decimal point in a Bitcoin wallet is in the wrong place, right? Like, why are there so many digits behind the decimal point? Like, simple things like that. They don't understand what's going on there. But if you were to introduce something that was slightly, you know, kind of slightly simpler, slightly more, um, more familiar, you know, every Filipino knows what the U.S. dollar exchange rate is, right? So we're very we're very, very used to doing those types of exchange rate calculations in our head. So, you know, if the Facebook Libra thing um, kind of mimics the movement of the U.S. dollar against the peso, then maybe it's a, a yeah, I'm, I'm being very optimistic here, obviously. But maybe it's a way for these folks to kind of, you know, get used to the idea that there are other options. You don't have to stay in Philippine peso. Uh, for the rest of your life, because uh, you know historically, um, it is not a great way to save money, right? And we we know, we know that already. It's just that most people don't believe they have a choice. So yeah, so that's it. That's that's what that's my yeah, yeah. You're from the, you're not representing a BRICS nation. These two other guys are BRICS nations. I wanted to point that out. So you're you're further down further down the ladder in terms of. Uh, developing or into glorify because the, the yeah, BRICS yeah. nations are glorified and the, the, the next big things. You're in the Philippines, which is uh, very much known for uh, remittances uh, because there are Filipinos all over the world. Just outside in Tel Aviv, I saw some Filipinos um, because they take care of the, uh, the older generation here and they have to send money back. Do you think Facebook, uh, that, that this Libra thing could help with remittances? 
Well, I mean, that's certainly the promise, right? And so I've been in the remittance industry now for about uh, coming on to uh, five years. And the thing that I can tell you for sure is that the remittance industry is not really about who has the best payment rails. It's about who has the deepest war chest to subsidize customer transactions. So, you know, prior to Facebook Libra, your biggest contenders were people like TransferWise or Remitly or, or whatever, right? So these are kind of the big um, kind of remittance startups. And it's not that they had a better way to get the money over like or across the border or anything. That wasn't what they were doing. It was just that they were really, really good at raising money and converting venture capital into customer subsidy. Now, um, if there was a contest for who was best at doing that, I think Facebook would probably be in the top five, right? So in the sense that is, if the question was, do, you, do I believe that Facebook Libra can make remittance cheaper? Yes, because Facebook's just going to throw money at that problem. So yes, of course I believe that. All now, right. whether or not that's sustainable is another question entirely. I, I don't know, but we'll find out, I guess. All right, we're getting unique perspectives. Pound that like button. Your best guest in the freaking space here. All of these, these three men all work in the space too. They're not just talking the talk. I mean, this is this is their business here, all three of them. Now, I want to go to Abe. Let's focus on Abe because he's got to get out of here soon. And what, what's the South African government going to do about this Facebook thing, do you think? Do you think they're going to let it pass? I don't know. I was just contemplating countries like Zimbabwe, where most people use the dollar because the Zimbabwe currency, everyone knows, is basically right. nothing. So uh, getting dollars in, a, in and out of the country is actually quite hard. Um, so the people have sometimes have to pay people in cars to drive over borders with dollars to move money across borders. So having having a digital stable coin version of that is quite cool. Um, but then at the same time, have you seen the arbitrage of Bitcoin in Zimbabwe to the, the global market is ridiculous. I mean, the, you can, like, something like $80,000 of Bitcoin in some spikes is insane. So but if you were to accelerate that or make it easier to get dollars out, you, there's some amazing arbitrage trading opportunities available there. Oh, yeah, uh, de de <laughs> definitely. This will, this will, uh, I, you can't get money out of Zimbabwe. You can't get yeah. money. The, the situation has actually gotten worse. Uh, yeah. Maybe we'll have a Zimbabwe guest on again. They, they're a little hesitant to even appear. But uh, ignoring that basket case for a second, let's. What is your take on South Africa? On the you've had to deal with the government a lot, okay, mm -hmm. with, with regulation and whatnot. Are are they gonna yeah. are they gonna have hearings about uh Facebook? No, they, they, no. I don't know about Facebook coin, but I mean, is cryptocurrency in general, they're being quite welcoming. Um, they've established that it's uh, there's a lot of innovation happening. There's a lot of investment. I mean, uh, right. I mean, here where I'm based in the Woodstock Exchange in Cape Town, there's probably three companies um, involved with, with cryptocurrency in general or, or blockchain developments. Um, so there's a lot of investment taking place. So they don't want to hinder it. They're not trying to scare people off, but they do understand that there are scams happening and they've got to introduce at least some regulations to prevent people from being ripped off. Who are none the wiser. So, um, you know, the, the whole kind of Bitcoin, BitConnect, that kind of stuff, they've got to try and clamp down on that kind of thing whilst enabling pure innovation and actual use cases of cryptocurrency like Sun Exchange to, to flourish. So, I think the, the Southern government are being pretty good in that respect. Not They're not trying to stop things, stop things, they're just trying to think light touch, regulate, and do things in a sensible, pragmatic way. All right, good. This is a good take on this. I want you to uh, quickly, uh, well, tell us what's up with Sun Exchange and also show everybody the view of Table Mountain. <laughs> yeah, so if you've got any doubts that I'm in Cape Town, there you are. There you are. One of, one of the <laughs> so one awesome. Of the 
greatest, so awesome. greatest uh, national treasures. Not national treasures. Earth, one of Earth's treasures. Um, actually, let me ask you a Cape Town question real quick. They, the, 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 in the Western media, we are hearing that they've sent the army into the uh, the slums. Is this uh, true? Does, exactly. Have you noticed any difference in, I mean, the crime in the slums is a whole yeah. other animal compared to where you are. But is there, yeah. is this something that's big? Um, I haven't seen anything happening. I don't live in those areas. Uh, although Cape Town's quite small, I mean, it's very zoned. So I, I don't go to those areas because they're really dangerous. And that's why the, the army are there. Um, but at the same time, I, where we are, no one comes down here. I haven't seen a single soldier. So it's kind of invisible to me. The first time I heard about it was through the BBC News. Right. And, I, and I'm in Cape Town. The first time I heard it was an international news platform. So yeah, that's what that's it. Wow. Wow. It is two different worlds. I mean, again, and please. But these are uh, gangs. These are gangs fighting each other. There is, yeah. These two gangs have been at war for ages. And they're like, well, yeah. are they going to let themselves wipe each other out? Would you bring in the army and try and curtail it? So, yeah. This is, you know, it's funny. There are some American tourists who like to, you know, in America, they like to see the, the, the go on the ghetto tours and stuff. Dudes, you don't do that in South Africa or in, yeah. or in Rio. It's not a good, I think in Rio, there are some hosted ones, but still it's not, in South Africa, it's obviously gotten out of control, but it's so weird. You could be in this beautiful city that can literally be like wars going on in pockets and, and you don't know. It's, yeah. it's amazing. So I've, got to, I've, I've got to go in four minutes. So I'll just give my, my update. So, I mean, Sun Exchange, we've, we're now in our fifth year of operation. And uh, so far this year, we've, we're having our best year to date. We've just closed our fifth solar power plant. So Sun Exchange is now generating a megawatt of solar power, almost exclusively funded through cryptocurrency and paying, awesome. paying out Bitcoin. So um, I, I say that the, the next best thing to investing directly into Bitcoin is earning an income in Bitcoin. And that's what Sun Exchange allows people to do whilst providing solar power to businesses in emerging markets. So we've now got seven and a half thousand users using the platform. Our latest project's just gone live. So anyone in the world can now be solar powering a supermarket in Hoodsprate in North South Africa, getting income paid once per month in Bitcoin into a wallet. And what we found is that people are treating this as an opportunity to get into cryptocurrency for the first time without having to directly invest into it and take a lot of risk with volatility. People see this as way great. I can now earn an income stream paid in Bitcoin like dollar cost average it, but they're still getting a decent income once per month whilst doing something good. And for the Bitcoiners in the world that have got a lot of theoretical wealth, this is a chance to actually put it to use, put Bitcoin to work, do something with it. Um, Bitcoin, uh, Adam, I've always been honest to ask you this question, 2020 halving, et cetera, but at what point do you cash in? Like, when do you actually start doing something with it? I mean, if you die and you haven't ever spent it, what's the point? I've witnessed long. It's my savings account. It's my savings account. Okay. I don't need it. I don't need it yet. But I, I know, yeah. I know where you're going with this. And yeah. I, I got to say one thing. You it is such a unique on ramp into Bitcoin. Mm. That's why I like this a lot. Because yeah. there's some people who will never get into Bitcoin, but they're into like the solar power yeah. thing, global warming yeah, yeah. world. Exactly. The two the two worlds. People that are into solar don't know it yet, but they're also they're also into cryptocurrency because they're very kind of decentralized cutting edge technology. So the two worlds do like each other, even if they don't know it yet. And I'd say about 75% of our customers that pay in South African Rand for their solar panels choose to earn in Bitcoin back. So people are paying in Rand and then getting Bitcoin back. So it's like a, a proxy exchange, but they're getting paid once per month regardless against the rate of whatever the Bitcoin is at the time. So it's, it's very exciting. And we've now got better projects. With This project launching now is 200 kilowatts 
go to our website, sunexchange.com, watch the video, check it out, and buy some solar cells if you haven't done so already. Yes, value your wealth in Bitcoin, people. If you have RAND, and I've said this many times, turn it into Bitcoin. This is a great, yeah. this is a great way to do it. Although I, I do have to admit, I think the RAND is more reliable than the uh, Brazilian. Uh, well, I was going to say, I want to have like a who's got the worst currency contest. Um, the the South African <laughs> RAND was it was one to one against the dollar. I think in around the early nineties, one to one to the dollar is now fourteen to the dollar. So on a year by year basis, I'm not sure how that compares to the. Uh, the I, 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 think, I think Brazilian Rio is a little bit better in this comparison because okay. we were one to one in mid '94. Now okay. it's three point eight. Okay, so Brazil, Brazil has got the least worst currency. Congratulations. <laughs> yeah, exactly. In that, in that, numerically, looking at it that way, yes. Um, Abe, I know you got to get out of here. Yeah, I got to shoot. He is no, linked, thanks for me. He's linked to below. We're going to keep keep on doing this show though. Pound that like button, people. Thank you, everyone. I think the South African government, though, their monetary policy, I would be more confident in their monetary policy than in the Brazilian uh, government monetary policy. Because the, the, the leader of Brazil right now, he could be kicked out at any moment. I mean, there's, it seems to be well, a bit more. Well, I think I think these these fears regarding the Brazilian government are perhaps exaggerated, especially in international press, because I mean, his despite all his the, the things he says, sometimes he he looks and says radical things or nonsense, or whatever. But in terms of practical and real actual policy, he's doing some great things, and all of his his team within the Ministry of Finance, the Ministry of Economy. Is, uh, is incredibly great, top-notch people. Some of them are classical liberals. Some of them are libertarians. I mean, it's, it's really incredible. I have many personal friends there. And in this regard, that's something worth mentioning. There is some, uh, some ideas and goals and, and, and even practical measures to liberalize capital controls in Brazil, even more so. It, it's, it's much better than it was in the 80s and early 90s, but it has still a long way to go until it becomes a fully convertible currency. But that's, that's what our current central bank also wants to do. So it's, it's on a good path, on a better path. All right. So it's, this, the, the current leader of Brazil is different than the past ones because he has conservative leanings. Uh, I guess that's True. the best way of putting it. And the, the previous ones had, whoa, socialist leanings, or were, were just straight up socialist. And For there sure. was much corruption in the previous administration, two administrations. Oh, really? with, with all that in mind, and that, that so many people work for the government there, and the government is gigantic. Has it been easier to, to deal with? And what is your specific business? Has it been easier since the new regime's been in, in charge? So we have a, a um, I'm also working for a, a cryptocurrency exchange here in Brazil, uh, which belongs to the largest broker dealer, private bro broker dealer in the country, XP Investments. And I'd say now it's even better with the current administration, because as I said, yes, from the moral standpoint, let's say the, the president is very conservative. But he's very pro-market, free market oriented, and all his policies are aimed at de de decreasing the size of the states and making the, the, the free market private initiative even better. 
So in this regard, I think it's very good. But Brazil is a big, has a big government. We have many agencies. We have to deal with the IRS, which is the one right now putting the stronger stronghold on, on regulations for cryptocurrency exchange, for example. But I'd say when we look at the Congress, the current Congress, when we look at the government, so the executive branch, and even some people on the other agencies, our SEC, the central bank, we have many people with a pro-crypto or pro-innovation stance. So I'd say it's never been better to work out regulations with, a, with the current administration in Brazil. All right. I've got some questions about the uh, Bitcoin culture there. Is mm -hmm. it a bunch of people trying to trade, like a bunch of young people trying to flip? Are people mining? Are, are altcoins big there? Are people using it for remittances? What's the culture like? I'd say it's mostly trading. Then I'd say uh, using for, for remittance, not really remittances, but uh, international transfers. So paying for imports and trying to evade some of the, the capital, con the, the import taxes that we have and some financial taxes that we have over, over international transfers. So that's how I would say most people are using. But there's one thing that I, I think it's really plaguing the market for over five or six years, which are all of these scams, uh, pyramid scams, Ponzi schemes, using crypto, using, not using, but just saying that they're investing or trading with Bitcoin or crypto, and it's just outright Ponzi schemes. We're, we are still being plagued by these scams. Wow, wow. And has the government tried to step in on that? They are, they are, and that, that's the, the challenge because sometimes the, 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 the ones that don't have a lot of information, they will try to, to pound it and try to step on everything and, try, and thinking everything is the same. And no, you have Bitcoin, it's a true asset, a genuine asset, a digital asset, but you also have uh, schemes and scams. People are trying to take advantage of others. Are there uh, any altcoins that are popular there, or is it is it mainly people in the Bitcoin? Uh, it's, it's the same as, as everywhere else. Bitcoin is 50% or more of the markets. All right, so it's uh, very good. Now, you have videos in Portuguese. You're, yeah. you're speaking to that. Now, obviously, I don't know Portuguese, but it, at, there was at one point, there wasn't much of a, a Portuguese-speaking uh, presence, at least on YouTube, in terms of Bitcoin. Mm -hmm. Seems like you're part of that. Do you get contacted by people from Angola and from uh, Mozambique? Uh, really, places that are desperately in need of, of Bitcoin. And I what, do. What, and what's your and what's your take on the overall Portuguese speaking uh, Bitcoin world? Yeah, well, when we look at the, the Portuguese speaking world, we have the African countries, and I think they are the ones that currently suffer the most in terms of currency depreciation capital controls, the impossibility of moving their, their money wh wherever they want. So I, they see the needs and the advantages of a true free cryptocurrency. So when, when there, I, I'd say that right now my audience is primarily Brazilians in Brazil, then in the US, then in Japan, and then the African Portuguese speaking countries. Yeah, because their currencies in Angola and Mozambique, they're worth nothing outside of yeah. Angola and Mozambique. They're worthless. They're just exactly 
complete joke, totally. And uh, people for a long time, and I, I, no one can get their money out of Angola. But, I mean, there are a lot of Brazilians and Portuguese that work there. They couldn't, they still can't get their money out right. of Angola. It's a wild situation. All right, but this is good. I'm glad I, I we're clearing up all these uh, Portuguese speaking uh, Bitcoin world uh, topics here. But let's let's travel back to Asia. And you know, Luis, you you talked about the the, the Asian. Uh, Crypto mentality is a little bit different. There's a lot. There's some gambling involved there. Is that true in the Philippines? We know it's true in, in South Korea. Is it too, is it that bad in uh, in the Philippines? Well, I mean, what's interesting about kind of the the Asian gambling phenomenon is like the reason why it's it's like that is because if you're a Korean citizen, you can't legally gamble within your own country. So you know, um, you have to travel. To, to to gamble if you wanted to, right? So, you know, you're from South Korea, your options are Macau or the Philippines. Um, and Macau is, you know, basically like Asia's um, kind of Vegas. But if you wanted to maybe also have a nice beach vacation, maybe do like a little bit of golfing, whatever, then the Philippines is a better destination. Plus it's, you know, as you've probably surmised, it's a lot cheaper like to to travel over there the entertainment is a hell of a lot cheaper the cost of living is way lower so your your korean one goes farther um and generally speaking that this phenomenon is not just south korean it's also chinese it's also japanese to a lesser extent um they they come to manila and they spend a weekend and they hang out at the casinos or the golf courses or the scuba diving resorts and whatever um and that's kind of the and that's kind of the thing right um and and because these are countries where capital controls exist, um, you know, Bitcoin happens to be a, 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 a venue or a channel for the people who are savvy enough to know how to use it. So that's kind of a, you know, that's a thing. Um, and unfortunately, it is a thing that will continue to be a thing, um, you know, whether or not. So I, I, I say I talk about this stuff a lot because like I kind of want to highlight both the good and the not so good. Um, kind of uh, features of, of uh, decentralized cryptocurrency like Bitcoin, where you can have amazing good things, right? The fact that you can, as a migrant worker, potentially move your money back home a lot cheaper and faster and more securely. Um, you, can you can practice financial sovereignty um, as an individual. You know, so there's wonderful things, um, but there are other not so great things. But that is the nature of technology. And, and Possibly the biggest difference between, say, um, Bitcoin and Facebook Libra is that Bitcoin does not have an opinion, right? And yes. that is kind of the fundamental difference between all of those things. And unfortunately, you know, you kind of have to agree with Facebook's opinion on the world if you want to, you know, kind of uh, benefit from the, the things that its cryptocurrency, heavy air quotes on the word cryptocurrency, can do. Um, so that's kind of the the functional difference. But yeah, so the Asian... Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, no, I was well, just thinking about this and, and what Abe said in the beginning. I cannot imagine Facebook's Libra or Libra, the consortium of the association, not applying the same KYC and AML rules that the current banking system is applying and perhaps even more rigorous or even more excluding. So when they say it's going to be an open platform for everyone to use and send money abroad, I don't think this is going to happen at all, at all. 
No, yeah, you're, so you're, right. um, you're probably you're probably correct there. Um, I think that the 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 promise is obviously that it's going to be an open network. Um, but so so there are a couple of things that I wanted. I wish the at the senatorial hearing, I wish they had asked these questions. Um, like if if a country that the U.S. is in conflict with, yep. if their the developers built a wallet that is compatible with the Libra network, what happens? Right? What if you users use that wallet and then they start sending back and forth? Maybe to some of the some of the recipients of those transactions are uh, Calibra users. So kind of that is definitely under the jurisdiction of the United States. What happens then? Um, is the Libra Foundation prepared to start blocking off, you know, entire regions or countries or yeah. whatever? I'm, yeah. I'm not really sure. I think I think there would be blacklist right away if that scenario came around. They would. And I, let, let me just give you one example how this can be a truly Orwellian nightmare. So right now, mm -hmm. if you have a bank account and you use it, well, somehow you might get blocked because you paid somebody, a company or a, the, the judicial branch issued something that they blocked your account. That might happen, but. Let's think about the now in terms of the Facebook Libra. Imagine you are using Facebook, the platform, and you have your own Calibra wallet. But for some reason, you even write a joke, you post a joke on Facebook with a sensitive, political, corrected word, and you're just oh, yeah. blocked and you, can, you cannot make payments any longer. And then and you have no recourse, actually, because everything is online through email, you try to through appeal and nothing ever happens. It's gonna be a nightmare, honestly. Yeah, well, people should be, that scenario right there should make people think twice about letting Facebook be their bank. And yeah. again, it is, no one is for you. You can still be in Facebook and not have them be your bank. They wanna be the most, big, sure. the most powerful bank on earth and they are gonna, I think they will end up, the, uh, I think most people don't care, won't worry about that scenario. And we'll only have to deal with that scenario when it happens. And it will happen to some people. It definitely will happen to some. And there will be no trial or anything like that because it will already be there. Your whole history will be there. Oh, you, you said this uh, comment on that day. <laughs> yeah. Here's the proof. Yeah. You, you, you're not going to be able to prove that you're, uh, that you're innocent there. So, yeah. This I mean, is here's, a, here's a question for you, Fernando. Um, yeah. uh, do you believe that the Brazilians who are on Facebook right now do they care deeply about their privacy? No, no, I don't think so. Uh, I think privacy, perhaps this is a global matter, but I don't think privacy is being very valued globally. And, and it isn't in Brazil either. I mean, people are valuing much more convenience and privacy only becomes an issue when something happens to them. So, no, I don't think privacy is really yeah. all that important uh, down here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so it's the same in the Philippines. In fact, um, so I was going to point to a Facebook initiative from 2013 called Internet.org. Um, and that is kind of Mark Zuckerberg paying for your Internet access, right? So if you have a smartphone, even if you don't have a data plan, even if you don't have any airtime on it, you can still get on free.facebook.com. Right, and Facebook pays the bills with the telcos on your behalf. Now, wow. uh, in exchange for that, your behavior on Facebook is obviously heavily monitored, right? But you know, uh, countries like the Philippines, Indonesia, uh, Vietnam, Cambodia—they all benefit from free.facebook.com. And if you believe their statistics, 
about 40 million users who have never used the internet before have gotten onto the internet for the first time because of the internet.org initiative. Now, uh, you know, these are people who literally have never had that chance before. They don't even have the concept of what data privacy might be or right. what their rights might be as users. And I think that, you know, kind of maybe as you mature as an internet person, you kind of start to realize that these things are actually quite important. But I think that if you're in your kind of your infancy, if you've just started to kind of get your bearings, um, you know, you're just happy to find this information for free and you don't care so much, right? And I think those are the exact same people who are going to just jump onto Libra because suddenly I can send money to my, you know, my my friends in the rural parts of the country, or maybe receive money from my my mom or my dad who was working in, in Europe or the States or whatever, right? So suddenly those access, those 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 pathways are open when they did not exist before. And it's right. free. So it's kind of hard to it's it's a weird pitch, right? Like I we know, I think we all know that it's very dangerous. This this freedom, this quote unquote freedom that Facebook is giving us is quite dangerous. But a lot of people are going to be super into it, I think. The, the way I, I tend to look at these things, uh, I think it will have to get a lot worse in terms of privacy, data breaches, and other nightmare scenarios right. before it gets better. And the same way that happened with, with cryptography that now, that now comes by default and nobody even thinks about it. Nobody even knows what cryptography is, but it's everywhere. I think it would be the same with privacy. So cryptographic tools enhancing privacy will also come by default. And I, don't, I cannot see right now people paying for privacy or going the lengths to enhance their own privacy. It's in, in, in some ways, it's really difficult, even for Bitcoin users, for example. And I don't oh, think yeah. everyone is using a Wasabi or a Samurai wallet or it's only second layer for payments. It's it's not yeah. there yet. It, it, it's going to get there, but it's not there yet. Yeah, I think, right. I think the lack of people's uh, people caring about privacy is a worldwide thing. Uh, yep. it, it's not until they get burnt hardcore do they care. And then it's retroactive, like, oh, I wish I would have cared. It's, it's, it's already <laughs> too late. And again, this too is it, it, the, what, what Luis is talking about, how Facebook gave people free Internet access. Now it's going to give them free banking. It's really not free. You're, you're giving up your privacy, but it's too tempting for people. It is way too tempting yeah. for people. But again, it's personal responsibility. People, yeah, some are going to, some are going to learn the hard way. Now, uh, Luis, I want to ask you specifically, talk about your companies, what, what you're doing with the uh, remittances right. and everything. Everyone's, yeah, I mean, yeah. I've said, I've said you, everybody on the show today deals with the cryptocurrency in some way in their business. So take it away. Yeah. Right. So my company is called Bloom. We've been around since 2015. The mission has always been to figure out how to make uh, Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies a little bit more accessible to the average person. So we started with this product called Bloom Remit that kind of allows traditional remittance companies to take advantage of Bitcoin in the back end so that the actual end users don't have to learn about Bitcoin. They will just benefit from the fact that there is a cheaper settlement mechanism invisibly in the background. So that was kind of the idea with that. Um, this year, we launched a product called Bloom Teller, which is a platform that allows traditional money changers 
to just integrate Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies into their inventory. So, you know, the money changers that you go to in the in the airport, right? When you arrive in Manila, maybe you've got, you know, uh, uh, $500 or whatever. You need to kind of exchange that so for Philippine peso. But what we're doing now is that we'll allow those exact same money changers to accept your Bitcoin instead, right? And turn that into a Philippine peso. So we're trying to, like, like I said, right? I, I, I don't prefer um, for my countrymen to stay in Philippine peso if they can choose something else. So what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to build all of these bridges that will allow them to safely access cryptocurrency. Um, Fernando mentioned earlier that there's so many freaking scams for this stuff, right? And it's yeah. exactly the same in Asia. Um, what we're trying to do is we're trying to, like the, these money changers that we're working with, some of them have been operating in the Philippines for about three decades now. So these are brand names that people know. So what we want to do is like, you know, instead of trying to act, buy your Bitcoin off of some dude on Facebook, you know, buy it from a reputable brand name that's been around for 30 years. In the back end, that's powered by Bloom. That's powered by my company. But um, but we're, what we're trying to do is leverage this massive network. There's about seven thousand money changers across the country that can that is already really really good at handling cash, right? So we need we need to leverage these guys and allow them to be the cash to crypto, crypto to cash uh, bridges. That's what we're doing. Are they are they really called money changers? Because this seems like a biblical term. <laughs> <laughs> no. No, no, no. Well, I mean, that's kind of just the, the street name for it. So we call them okay. foreign exchange agents, uh, you know, FX brokers, uh, money changers. Yeah, you're right. Uh, that's funny. That's uh, uh, I, I have forgotten that kind of reference. But yes, you're right. It is. Uh, it is a bit of it is a bit biblical, isn't it? It's a Catholic country. New Testament. He's, oh, yeah. he's doing the references right there. No, no, oh, but, yeah. but, but hey, I want I want to remind everyone. Some of you are like, oh, the Philippines, it's a small country. Oh, no. Tremendous population there, tremendous population yeah. growth. And we I, I love that Luis is trying to on-ramp people into Bitcoin any way he darn can over there. I mean, what what is the population there now? So it's just 105 million people. <laughs> uh, 10 million of them are living overseas. So we're spread across about 50 countries. Um, you know, the, predominantly that's the United States, um, Canada, and parts of Europe. But more and more, we are in the Middle East, all over North Asia. So, you know, we get around. We get around. And as, as you said earlier, you, you spotted a few Filipinos in Tel Aviv. So that is definitely another country that we have presence in. Yeah, um, tre so, tremendous. Yeah, and, and, and those, um, those 10 million Filipinos that are overseas, they're supporting uh, potentially, uh, you know, like 40 million Filipinos back home because they're sending money back home. Right, they're sending their money back home in the form of remittances, in the form of um, bills payments or cash transfers or things like that. So, yeah, the, the the country relies on this stuff to to get by. It's a very very big part of our economy. Now, I want to ask you a question about art because a lot of people who know you on Twitter know about your awesome crypto art, and you've you had the Monero uh, comic book before. Yeah, yeah, you're, you're good, man. You, you, you do some fun Thank things you. online. I've retweeted it. I've mentioned it on the show. This is the guy. I've talked about this dude before for my long-term so uh, watchers. Uh, so, yeah, any any uh, any plugs you want to give for that? Um, so the, the the most recent things that I've been working on. So, so I, I should mention that the, the, the concept behind the art is always because I'm trying to make cryptocurrency a little bit more familiar 
a little bit less threatening, a little bit less intimidating for the average person. So I'm using kind of familiar things, Star Wars, Game of Thrones, Star Trek, Blade Runner, stuff like that. So things that they already know, and I'm kind of combining it with crypto themes. And that has been kind of a really interesting way to kind of bring people over in the sense that, oh, okay, so this is an interesting piece of art. Maybe I'll try to figure out what the heck is going on with this whole Bitcoin thing, right? So that's that's worked out pretty well. Um, the most recent things that I've been experimenting with is um, kind of uh, what we call non-fungible tokens. I don't know if you guys have uh, have started to look at this stuff. This is this is kind of an Ethereum thing where, you know, kind of you're trying to to prove their ownership of a piece of digital art um, using using the Ethereum blockchain. I don't know if it's going to work, but it's definitely a thing. Um, people are starting to kind of use it. And, you know, I've started to kind of help these um, kind of art startups uh, with some of those uh, pieces. One of these startups is called Maker's Place, um, and they're kind of an art gallery specifically for people who are trying to um, sell their art in exchange for cryptocurrency. And as uh, Abe was saying earlier, you know, there's nothing better than earning cryptocurrency, right? That is kind of the, that is the way you acquire, right? You earn it. Um, so yeah, so I, I think that that's a really interesting um, kind of path. I don't know if it's gonna work long-term, but it's certainly really interesting. Yes, value your wealth in Bitcoin, earn that Bitcoin, pound that like button. All right, Fernando, tell us more about uh, your, your business dealings, anything you wanna talk about. There's, the floor is yours here. Uh, you, you, I was I was actually just looking at Louis' uh, Twitter cover, which is amazing, really, Thank really you. nice Thank art. <laughs> yeah, he's, there's a biblical reference there too, isn't there? Is, yeah. Is there I think he's oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. There we go. All, all this biblical stuff today. But uh, no, for for Nat, t tell us more about what, what you're doing down there in Brazil. Yeah, so my personal role in Brazil here, I've been in the in the space in the Bitcoin space since early 2013. And I started researching, writing about it. I wrote the first Portuguese book on Bitcoin 2014. And ever since I've been writing, giving lectures, and it used to be my side gig, just like a, a, an alternative job, like a hobby. And it became my career in late 2017. When I started also my YouTube channel, the YouTube channel I started in January to 2017, so it's almost three years now. And it, it was a, a huge success because people don't get to see much detailed information and the in-depth analysis of Bitcoin, the repercussions, how the, the consequences. Most of the YouTube channels in Brazil, they tend to focus more on trading and investments, gambling, and so on. That's that's not really my thing. This is once. This is something I've, I've always said about this. Of course, when you take a look at Bitcoin, you understand its uh, uh, native scarcity and the potential. Of course, you look at it from an investment perspective. There is an, an upside there. Of course, this is undeniable. But my main focus was not about making money with Bitcoin. It was always about making Bitcoin money. And this is, complete, this is a complete game changer. That's why I'm in the space for so long and why I'm a big proponent. And just since we're, we've been discussing Libra and uh, competition in the monetary realm, I think it's really amazing to see now. I, I think was, I was watching yesterday some senators on, in, the, in the hearings and also the CNBC guy, Joe from, I think it was Squawk, and, and, 
Squawk. And he was kind of grilling the Secretary of the Treasury <laughs> on how the US dollar cash indeed is used for criminal activity and also the banking system. <laughs> that was amazing to see the, the, the mainstream press <laughs> grilling the, the Secretary of the Treasury and what money is and how it's being used and how Bitcoin completely diverges from what the, our currency now is being debased. I mean, this is unbelievable to be witnessed. Yes, Amy, you would not have been able to predict this back in 2013, that it would happen no. so soon that you would see a grilling like that on, I mean, the whole world saw it. I mean, it was it's all, <laughs> yeah. all over social media. So it is It is a good time. It's 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 still early, people. It, it is definitely still early. You know, I, I got in in 2013 also. When did you get in, Luis? Um, I got in right when Mount Gox was exploding. So not exactly the best time ever to kind of get into it. So like during the first year of my Bitcoin experience, it was like, so we were like at $1,000 because of Gox, and then it sunk all the way down to $180 in my first year. So that was great. Yeah. Yeah. But as you, <laughs> you've got some, so we got some grizzled veterans here today. I, I know Abe's been oh, yeah. in for a while too, but it's still early people. Listen, listen to the international uh, grizzled uh, veterans here. And also one thing I wanted to point out, there was a there was a crossover for a second there. We were talking about Asia Bitcoin. We're talking about Brazil uh, Bitcoin. But uh, Luis, you mentioned uh, Macau, where they spoke uh, Portuguese. It was a Portuguese colony at one at, at yeah. one point. Mm -hmm. Macau was so there. There's your crossover, people. We had a we had a moment <laughs> there uh, where where everything came together. That is a Portuguese speaking uh, place, also. Although I've never I've never I, I do want to try. It seems like a very interesting uh, interesting place. That's. Uh, it's uh, certainly anyone, a very interesting place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If anyone's, I want to see the Vegas of Asia where they speak Portuguese, but the Chinese sort of control it now type of, <laughs> you know. Yep. Oh, what a world. Well, anyway, uh, any any conclusion, you guys, that's, this is the end, but do you guys have any uh, things you want to add? It's been a really unique show. Thank you so much for being on. Finally, the Philippines and Brazil were represented. You can check all these guys. They're all linked to below. You can see what they're doing. You can follow them, watch the YouTubes, buy the art, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, Luis, conclusionary thoughts. Um, like it's never been more important to learn about crypto than now. Um, Facebook Libra is, is peak fiat, man. This is kind of the most fiat we will ever get. <laughs> Right. And and kind of Bitcoin's um, exception to the rule is has never been more important. So this is kind of the year where you really did need to kind of finally learn about this stuff. And so I'm kind of like doubling down on all of my educational efforts, all of our kind of workshops and meetups and stuff like that back here, um, that it's never been more important than this year. Um, right. And and like I, I really like to try to emphasize that to, you know, to the people that I talk to. All right, now is the time. Fernando, your words of wisdom. <laughs> I also agree with, with Lewis. I think it's a, it's a nice way to phrase it. That's peak fiat. <laughs> and <laughs> what for me, it's, it, it's really amazing. And I, I feel very privileged to be living in this area. And uh, Bitcoin just is, uh, is a testament of how global the whole thing is how global money truly is how global bitcoin is how it resonates with people all over the place for different reasons for similar reasons and it's really incredible and and i, I also agree this is peak fiat with with libra 
perhaps as Andreas Antonopoulos has said it in one of his lectures, uh, maybe Facebook will be familiarizing people with the wrong kind of cryptocurrency. And when they realize this, they can, they can just switch over to Bitcoin and, and all the infrastructure, it's done. It's, it's perfect. It's working. So that's the way to look at it. I like a conclusion with some Andreas words of wisdom right there. Well, you're absolutely right. This is global. This is a global thing. It's not just about what the uh, North Americans think. It's worldwide. And all of you got a taste of the worldwide action today from the Philippines to South Africa to Brazil. You know they're coming here every Friday for the This Week in Bitcoin show. Hey, and there's a new show here every day, every other day of the week. I'll be back on Saturday night. Thank you very much, guests. Thank you very much, viewers. Pound that like button. Bang that bell button. I'm Adam Meister of Bitcoin, Meister of Disrupt, Meister. Follow me on TechBall, T-E-C-H-B-A-L-T. Shabbat Shalom. I'll see you tomorrow. Thank you, guests. Bye-bye. Thanks so much, guys.